Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Grant LaFleche, journalist with the Hamilton Spectator. How you doing? Good, Jesse. How are you doing this morning? Ah, I'm miserable. I've got a miserable cold, and I'm going to be delivering some miserable opinions today. I'm glad to have you here, though, Grant. Today we're going to be talking about gun laws. Ottawa is making a list, but they're not exactly checking it twice. Also, Blacklock's distorter. Welcome to Shortcuts, where I'll talk sick about the news. This episode is brought to everybody by Stephen Story, Diana Lye-Reed, David Stewart, Margot Ramsey, Nancy Duncan, Christoph Davidson, Adam Skuka, and Nadia. Hi, my name is Nadia, and I'm an avid hiker who lives in Toronto. I have been listening to Canada Land for a few years, and I find that it gives me a lot of diverse information that I wouldn't be able to find in other media outlets. Thank you to everyone at Canada Land for creating this source of information. We begin with what the Conservatives are calling the largest attack on law-abiding hunters in Canadian history. The Trudeau government are on the verge of trying to pass an automatic weapons ban. Other types of guns were slid in. Canadians goalie Carey Price is known to be a man of very few words, but he made a statement over the weekend. The Instagram post shows Carey Price during hunting season criticizing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau over the gun control bill C-21. And he's publicly supporting a controversial 
illegal gun lobby organization. A lobby group which last week sold merchandise using Pauli as a promo code. As for Price, the head of the Habs organization told Radio Canada he wasn't aware the polytechnique shooting had happened. We are not targeting law-abiding gun owners. We're not going after uh, hunting rifles or shotguns. These are firearms specifically designed to hunt small fowl and to go after vermin and other farm pests. Why won't the government target real crime rather than targeting farmers and hunters? Guns, guns, guns. Which are good, which are bad. We'll get into how this played out, Grant. Like, it seems like we can't even have a conversation about what's right or wrong because we're stuck in a conversation about who's good and who's bad or what's true or what's a lie. This begins, or this most recent chapter in the story begins with Carey Price, who I can tell our listeners is a hockey player. Apparently, he plays hockey quite well for the uh, Montreal Canadiens, and he apparently doesn't say many things, which Canadians really like. If you can play hockey really well and you don't talk much, that'll make you pretty popular. And uh, notable when he does weigh in with this social media post where he's in like head-to-toe camo. Well, I guess the toque isn't camo, but it's, you know— it's, it's still the same taupe color. And he's got a long gun and the caption reads, I love my family, I love my country, and I care for my neighbor. I am not a criminal or a threat to society. What Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is trying to do is unjust. I support the CCFR to keep my hunting tools. Thank you for listening to my opinion. Wow. That was a, a big endorsement for the uh, rights of legitimate gun owners. But then it was quickly pointed out that the gun he is toting in this photograph is not a gun that would be made illegal by this new late addition to the Liberals' gun control legislation. But it might have been, you know, could have been. There's lots of guns that hunters use that are on that list, but not this one. Kerry Price later excoriated on social media for uh, taking a stand for guns right upon the anniversary of the massacre, the Polytechnic massacre, And uh, his immediate response was to pretend that he didn't know anything about that, um, which sort of strained credulity and launched a conversation as to like, well, just how ignorant can athletes be? You know, maybe it's credible that he was that ignorant. Uh, He later cleared that up and said, no, of course I know about the massacre, um, but, you know, I'm sorry to anyone I offended. Essentially, what I read into his apology is like, I just wasn't thinking about those people. Yeah, I mean, so much of this is like, If this doesn't show at this stage why we need to stop listening to what athletes or celebrities think about things, I don't know how much more evidence we need sort of in the insipid vapidness of it. I was educated in Quebec, so it's really hard to understand how anybody who can live in Montreal as long as this guy has didn't understand what the massacre was. Other stuff happened that made people very, very angry. The Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights, they had a sale on their merch, I guess. And the promo code for the sale for your firearm rights merch was the word poly. That, of course, seems to be in direct connection with the horrible massacre. I'm looking at this ad now. Save 10%. Shop firearmrights.ca with promo code poly. Wow. Wow. There is so much to unpack there, Jesse. Why don't we start with CCFR and the use of that promo code. And I think it is indicative of where elements of the gun lobby are, like where they're thinking. Very hard in this country, because of the influence of American media, to have a conversation about gun control without people immediately thinking they're standing up for their 
constitutional uh, rights by which they probably are referring to the American Constitution. And the idea that guns are tied up with nationalism, that guns are tied up with patriotism, that there's no justification for gun control anywhere ever, that's what they're playing into. And I would love at some point to know just how much money they made off of that particular promo code because I would bet dollars to donuts it's not insignificant. And I don't know if you've had conversations like this in the last couple of days, but I sure have where people are, you know, women in particular are saying this This is not just in poor taste. It almost feels threatening. It's almost as if they're saying, look, you too can buy a gun that can mow down a bunch of female students in a university if you just buy a weapon with this promo code. Yeah, I mean, just a ghastly, I want to say blunder. It feels like intentional. It's just horrific. But there is another side to this debate, and I get emails from the other side all the time from listeners who are eager for me to take a really close look at the Trudeau government because I think they feel the same way that I feel about my pet issues, they feel about, about gun control. Like, and, and, and I think it feels like they have similar complaints with this government. Like, I get these things pretty regularly. Like, like when are you going to take on this topic? How can I break this down? Like, Trudeau and his ministers, they are always reassuring us with the issues that I care about. Like, don't worry, everybody. Bill C-11 – it won't impact user-generated content. This is for Canadian creators. And don't worry, small publishers. C-18 won't interfere with the press or compromise press independence, and it won't harm small news publishers. And then you, you bring them evidence, experts and lawyers, uh, who say, like, it absolutely will, and you feel like you're being gaslit or you're being legislated by people who don't even understand what the issues are that they're passing laws about. And the gun rights-supporting crowd says this is exactly the same. We're being legislated by people who don't understand the issues, they don't understand hunters, they don't understand guns technically. And when you try to actually bring up legitimate points with them, instead of actually having an honest conversation, they just show about how virtuous they are. Don't worry, this isn't about hunters. We're not going to infringe on the rights of hunters. And even when you say to them, you absolutely are, your new list, it includes many, like thousands of guns that hunters use, they'll come back with like a virtuous argument that we must fight gun violence. So you can't actually have a conversation. So they want me to represent that. And I don't know that I can because I care about my issues, but not theirs. I don't know how else to say it. Like I hear the legitimate law abiding hunter argument. Here's my analogy. Okay. Last time I was at Parliament Hill, there was a massive protest, very moving protest around grave sites at indigenous schools and missing and murdered. And then off to the side were these guys who were like, the government doesn't want me to have flavored vape fluid. And I'm a grown up. And if I want to have grape vape, I can make that decision for myself. And my, my attitude towards that is like, I agree with you. I just don't care. And I look at the horrific reality of school shootings and other shootings in the States. And I look at Canada and like, I am a little pampered city boy. In theory, I'm fine with people hunting if they do it legitimately and safely. But if there's any relationship whatsoever to hunters having guns or not having guns and, and are low shooting rates and hopefully uh, like maybe we could get that even lower, I'm totally fine with those rights going away. So I'll hear this on a clip that will be plucked out of context. But I'll, I'll be your poster boy for the pampered little city boy who doesn't get it because I, I don't get it. Well, I, I think I can, I can help to a degree. I mean, you and I don't disagree entirely on this, but I mean, I was raised in Alberta. Western alienation is an actual thing. If you spend any time, especially in rural Alberta, I mean, Calgary and Edmonton are a little different now because they're, they become, you know, much more diverse. And if you're out in ranch country, if you're out with the farmers and the, and the ranchers, you know, the people who feed the nation, guns are, you know, it's not a leisure thing, right? It's, it's used to protect their livestock. It's for hunters. They, they use it for food. And so there are legitimate reasons for people to have 
those types of firearms. The problem you run into is is not just that there are people in the in the big cities like yourself who are saying, I just don't get it because it's not on my radar and, and your only experience perhaps with firearms is there was a fatal murder in your city. But part of the reason I think, Jesse, that people get their backs up so quickly, and you heard it at that clip at the top where you know, the conservatives are saying, oh, you know, the liberals are trying to destroy hunters. That's not the case at all. I just think that the people who are framing this legislation and coming up with these lists, they have a similar problem, I think, that you might have, which is you don't understand hunters and you don't understand the ranchers and, and the people who use these things as part of their livelihood. It's hard to have that conversation on either side because on the one hand, if you're in a city like Toronto where, or, or even down here in Hamilton where there is criminal gun violence – you don't want Canada to come up and become like the United States. It all sounds reasonable. Why do you and I need a handgun ever? On the other side of it, the farmers and the ranchers and the hunters, because a lot of them have become so inured in the American gun debate and it's, and it's infecting mm-hmm. our politics and our discourse so much, as soon as you utter the phrase gun control, What's the message coming out of the right of center politics? Trudeau's coming for your guns, which might not be the intent. I think there's an ignorance on the part of the liberals as to what guns are used for what and, and you know, where an actual effective level of gun control should be. And so it becomes impossible to have this conversation. You're going to have was what we had in this list, which was kind of an insane list of every possible firearm out there without any kind of parsing in terms of saying – this is stuff that's being used for legitimate reasons. It's really not used in any kind of gun crime. So why are we fussing about it? Is it really that complicated, Grant? I mean, I'm looking at the stats from the government and notable increases in 2019 and 2020 to firearm-related violent crime in rural British Columbia, up 34%. Northern rural part of Ontario, 32%. Rural Alberta, 32%. Northwest Territories, up 23%. It seems like we're seeing the use of long guns in rural crime context, I guess no hunter or rancher thinks that their gun will ever be used that way. But 43.5% of guns recovered in homicides in 2010 were registered firearms. My understanding of that list that everyone's mocking is that they are placating the hunters and allowing hunters and ranchers to have long guns as long as they're not semi-automatics. And here's my layman's understanding. If when you pull the trigger, another round is loaded into the chamber, so you can just go pop, 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 and shoot again and again and again, that's a semi-automatic. And no one's ever been able to explain to me why a hunter or a rancher needs to be able to do that. Well, they don't. And you're not going to get an argument from me there. I think that th- there needs to be a legitimate conversation about, you know, what kind of weapons do you actually need for the purposes of you know, hunting or protecting your livestock. I mean, one of the first stories I ever wrote, Jesse, when I started in this business, I I started at the Calgary Herald, and it was a story about a 175-pound cougar that was eating ranchers' horses that was eventually taken out. It was massive. It was the size of of a grown man. It was really frightening. I mean, they eventually had to shoot it because it was killing their horses and beginning to prey on on their livestock. You don't need a semi-automatic or an automatic rifle to do that. So I absolutely think that there is a parsing there that can be done. I mean, that list, sure, it did contain semi-automatic stuff and they were excluding some common rifles used by farmers, but not all of them. I don't think anybody went out to talk to those folk. And so the debate then becomes completely polarized. Yeah, I feel like there have been multiple junctures where this government has made a conscious decision 
to do divisive things because it plays well for them. You know, the, the calculus that they're never going to win over those ranchers and farmers anyhow. And somebody like me who might be lukewarm on the government, you know, nine times out of 10, I, I will get fired up on this issue and I'll take a clear side. So maybe it's worth it to get my allegiance to stoke the flames and further divide this country. I'm, I'm interested in learning more about this. I obviously have some pretty strong ideas about it. I, you know, I'd be happy to speak with somebody who, who feels strongly about gun owners' rights. I think I've heard it all. You know, I understand there's like indigenous ways of life and food sustenance. And, and it's not that those arguments don't compel me or don't make sense to me. It's just that when you weigh that against the horror show, that is what American life has become and the, the types of things that happen on the reg in the States. And what seems to me to be clear empirical evidence that like the fewer guns we have in circulation, the less of that we're going to have to deal with. It's hard to get through to me for sure. But, you know, I'll talk. All the parties are playing a partisan game. And so when the liberals craft this, it's really aimed more at Jesse Brown than it is sort of Joe Farmer in, in Saskatchewan or BC or something. It's really hard, I think, to make a reasoned argument to say, you know, I need to have an AK-47, you know, for any purpose in this country. I guess you and I may agree on this. I don't care if someone enjoys going to a gun range with a high-powered military rifle to pick off beer cans or, or whatever. Like that's – to me, that's just not an – it's not a relevant argument anymore. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Grant, uh, we duly note news stories that we think people should pay more attention to that might otherwise go overlooked. I'm going to duly note something first, if I may, and I'm going to warn listeners that this deals with violence towards Indigenous women, and some listeners uh, may not want to listen to this segment. We have yet to mention this horrific story of this serial killer in Manitoba, uh, this alleged serial killer who um, has been arrested in connection with the murders of four women. 
Morgan Harris, Rebecca Contois, Mercedes Mirren, and, and an unidentified woman who is being reported on as a Buffalo woman. And mostly we're just trying to figure out what relationship or what we could add to the story, if anything. But I wouldn't want it to go overlooked. And it, it does feel like it's a little bit under-acknowledged. It's certainly been widely reported, but it's quite a terrible story. And what I want to duly note specifically this week, a statement given by the daughters of one of the victims. My mother didn't pass away with a home. So let's pay her the respect that she deserves by finally giving her one that's not a resting place at the Prairie Green landfill and for these other women as well. I think it's disgusting. These are human beings. How can you even fathom the idea to leave them there? These women are deserving of a proper resting place, not to be left alone in a landfill in the dead of winter. If you want to respect and honor them, stop making excuses as to why you can't find them. You can't. You are just refusing to. And they go on to say that if the police refuse to search a landfill for their mother's remains, they will do that search themselves. And I don't know what to say, but that if we live in a country where teenagers need to ask authorities to do something like that, uh, at a minimum, we should pay attention to them. Duly noted. Grant, do you have something to duly note? Yes, indeed I do, Jesse. You may have seen there was a story out this week or late last week about a a, a Nanos poll that showed most Canadians uh, were supporting the invocation of the Emergencies Act during the Ottawa occupation. And there's a weird backlash here that's worth noting that's coming out of the the anti-mandate sort of, you know, freedom convoy uh, types who are trying to say that, you know, this poll is false, that the, the mainstream media is lying. And their evidence for this is to grab an online poll that CTV put up, asking effectively the same question that Nanos would, would later ask. And of course, there's an online poll. It got spammed. And so it was something like 80% of, of respondents on this online poll said, no, we, we didn't support the Emergencies right. Act. But what I think to me that's worth noting is why are news agencies still using these online polls? They are scientifically dubious. They tell you nothing. They're vulnerable to exploitation and they're not controlled. There's no margin of error. There's no scientific rigor to them whatsoever. But news agencies keep putting them up, I guess, as a way to engage them in our in our websites. But we're at a point where they're just this sort of quasi dangerous thing that's skewing real information to the public. They're one step away from being horoscopes as, as far as I'm concerned. So if I'm going to duly note anything. It's that mainstream media, legacy media, which I'm part of, uh, needs to stop doing this because it is at best distorting the facts. At worst, it's just playing into the political divides that, that we've talked about on, on, on the gun control issue. Engagement. You love that engagement. Listen, if it's good enough for Elon Musk to determine uh, whether Trump should be allowed back on, uh, you know, voice of the people, duly noted. One last one here, and this one is from uh, the publisher of Canada Land, me. Listeners may remember that I, uh, I, I'm i a lobbyist now and, and can't really report as a reporter on the Online News Act because I, I have been active in trying to make amendments to this legislation, which initially I opposed. But when it became clear it was happening anyhow, I figured, all right, might as well fix it. And the ways in which I teamed up with uh, over 100 other independent news publishers to try to fix it were, you know, by definition, self-serving. These were mostly amendments to this act that would benefit Canada Land because the government is going to force Google and Facebook to give money to legacy newspapers. And if that's going to happen, then at a minimum, they got to give us money too. 
Uh, that's basically why I decided I had to get into this. I want to give people an update. Most of our amendments that would actually help Canada land did not pass. And it's, it's really interesting, like amendments that were like, if Google and Facebook want to be exempt from this law, they have to include small newsrooms that qualify for this um, Google and Facebook funding before they get an exemption. Nope, nope, that's not going to be an amendment that we take up. I don't know why. So a lot of the stuff that would have helped us didn't get through. But there was one thing that I stood up for, and I will take credit for this, as should Aaron Millar, which doesn't help Canada land. And that is that they wanted to exclude from funding any news organization that is owned by one of the journalists involved, you know, unless they have a certain threshold of employees. That's how Canada land started. That's how so many new entrepreneurial newsrooms are starting, is that a laid-off journalist starts their own small operation and they hire somebody eventually. And to exclude them is basically to say to them, don't even bother because it's going to take you years to get to that like three-employee place. I saw that as just like a huge barrier to actually regenerating news coverage in Canada with small micro news shops. So we had an amendment there that was like, you know, not unanimous amongst the groups that we should compromise with this and at least try to get that threshold down so that if you own a newsroom, you don't need to have two employees before you can get funding. You need one. And it ain't much, but it's something. That amendment got in there, and that means that dozens of newsrooms that currently exist will be eligible for this funding. They won't get cut out, and hopefully it'll be just a little bit easier for people to start news companies going forward. So that's what I get for my efforts, Grant. I'm helping my future competitors, but that's how it played out. Well, look, I don't disagree with you. I think that as a general rule, websites that cosplay as the news notwithstanding, I think more news media is better. One of the problems we've had with the atrophy of what gets called legacy media is there's just fewer reporters doing the job in communities across the country every day. And in some markets like Calgary or Edmonton, for instance, the two main newspapers are actually just the same newspaper, right? This mm -hmm. is the same newsrooms just that have two different mastheads, none of which is good for civic engagement and not good for journalism. It's actually wild, this illusion of choice in the marketplace. Oh, it's, it's bananas. When Post Media did their – they did a cross-country kind of song and dance at the time. I think Paul Godfrey was, was the boss at Post Media at that point who was saying to – you know he would get called to the mat at city councils and so on who were concerned about this. And he'd say, no, 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 we're not going to merge – the broadsheet and, and the tabloid papers, and lo and behold, they did so, and they're in, in the same newsroom, uh, which is a far cry from when I started, where I started at the Herald, where you were a direct competitor with the Calgary Sun, and you were a direct competitor with the TV stations and the radio stations. And all of that has atrophied to, to a point. And so where there is some encouraging stuff is – you know, the emergence of Canada land and, you know, uh, the narwhal and sort of these smaller news groups that are making inroads. I think that's all good for journalism in this country. And so if we're at a point where I, you know, that the finances of it uh, make some sense, although I'm sure we could argue about it, and it does make a lot of reporters uncomfortable when we talk about government funding for news outlets. But if we're in that space, then we ought to have rules that just make sense to encourage not just that legacy media groups, you know, kind of the newspapers of record and so on are still standing, but that it allows a marketplace where startups can emerge and new media groups can thrive as well. Because I think at the end of the day, it's, it's good for us as journalists and it's good for the country in terms of our, our civic discourse just to have more eyeballs and more opinions uh, on, on what's happening and the issues of the day. Duly noted. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. 
You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Grant, uh, finally today, speaking of small independent news outlets, some media news this week concerning the outlet Blacklock's Reporter. Blacklock's Reporter, if you don't know them, their slogan is Minding Ottawa's Business, and they do like hard paywalled coverage of government of Ottawa. And often they have really great scoops because they look at in detail not necessarily what politicians are saying, but they look at what politicians are doing. They look at policy itself. They listen to committees. They're, they're just in procurement forms, ATIPs, documentation. That's, that's what they're doing. And they often come up with good stuff. A bombshell story that I think carried far and wide through a tweet. Blacklock's reporter on December 5th tweets, the press gallery has sent armed police to evict Blacklock's from the National Press Building in an ongoing reprisal over protests against media subsidies. We will fight. And in a rare move for Blacklocks, there's no paywall. They unlocked that story. Holy shit. So I read this story that tells a tale that Tom Korski, he was escorted out of the building by armed guards that directly, directly, he connects this to the, the press gallery, his colleagues, fellow uh, journalists who are engaging in, in retribution because Blacklocks has taken a stand against media subsidies. It's a crazy story, Jesse. And the back half of this, as you know, is that the press gallery president has said this is in fact not the case whatsoever, that this particular journalist from Blacklocks was essentially behaving like a nuisance and a jerk. And he was calling people names and he was making a racket so that other people can't work. And, and he was not behaving in a professional fashion, which is why he was escorted. There are a number of journalists in this country. I mean, Andrew Coyne is a perfect example. I mean, I lost track of how many times he's been on Twitter saying there shouldn't be federal, you know, public funding for, for news outlets. I'm pretty sure if Coyne showed up at the press gallery one day, he wouldn't be given the bums rush because he's opposed to subsidies. I mean, the idea that someone would be given the boot because of that is kind of ridiculous. 
But it's been picked up now as a talking point on some websites who just want to use it to, to pillar what they call the mainstream media and, and pillar this particular government. It's just really hard to believe that a reporter who has a contrary opinion is being driven out of the press gallery when it seems he's been behaving like a schmuck. Well, let's unpack this because it wasn't just, you know, anti-press corners of the internet that were quick to believe the story. Senator Pamela Wallen said this is completely unacceptable in this country. Member of Parliament Dan Albus, this is actually happening in Ottawa today. You know, and then Tom Korski has been doing the rounds and going on sympathetic uh, press outlets. Jesse, you're not saying that politicians didn't check the facts before they decided to say something, are you? That never happens. I, I can't say. I'm sure that they thoroughly looked into this before they expressed their outrage. But here's what Tom Korski sounded like when he was on Saga 960 AM. So uh, this went down on Friday. Can you kind of set the scene for us? What, what You were there and what happened? Oh, they showed up. Executives of the press gallery showed up with a constable and a gun on his hip. And there was an eviction notice and I was locked out of my office. And that is severe punishment. We don't take subsidies and they take millions. And we've been going at it hammer and tong over that for the last year and a half. And I guess they finally got fed up. So I got busted. It was a big takedown. It's like they were <laughs> taking the Unabomber. They had to show up with a cop with a gun. Okay, so it was a takedown like you would take down the Unabomber, says Tom Korski. I mean, that is an image that, like, I will confess, like Senator Pamela Wallen, immediately my back got up like, holy shit. If journalists are being taken by gunpoint out of parliament right now for the crime of not accepting government money, this is a job for Canada land. I'm glad I didn't tweet too quickly, though, because one of the complainants, Alain Buzetti, who's a journalist there, and, and also at the scene here, the parliamentary press gallery, you know, parliament gives space to journalists to do their jobs out of parliament, and the journalists have this organization to sort of like self-police. Some news outlets are big enough to have like their own bureaus and some share workspace. Tom Korski of Blacklocks shares space with other journalists. And Ellen is one of those journalists. And she said, to be clear, this has nothing to do with subsidized media, this complaint. This reporter refuses to wear headphones in a collective work environment. When he listens to TV or press conferences, he calls his colleagues idiots and tells them to fuck off and threatens them with lawsuits. And then the press gallery itself responded with a long statement that just contradicts everything Blacklocks reported. Basically, Blacklocks was not thrown out, says the press gallery. Tom Korski was the individual for his behavior. He says he was evicted. In fact, he was thrown out for 90 days. I'm not aware of temporary evictions, but it's a 90-day sentence, I guess. Nobody marched him out at gunpoint. It was not a SWAT team takedown. They gave him till the end of the day. And Korski said that he was never given a chance to defend himself. And the press gallery says, yes, you were. You just didn't bother to. But this is the big one. It just had nothing to do with government subsidies. There's just nothing that Blacklocks has presented they said, like, this came just days after we reported on how the media takes all this money from government. Clearly, this is this is revenge. I don't know what to say about this level of distortion and bad faith. Like, there's a precedent for this, Grant. Like, we reported on Blacklocks in 2015, a story where Tom Korski got into a conflict with other people in the shared workspace. And we found two people who confirmed that he told a reporter named Elizabeth Thompson that he was going to take her fucking head off. You know, which... You know, she took that as, you know, maybe something you shouldn't say to somebody who you're sharing workspace with. And it seems reasonable to me that if there's any kind of group that's managing a shared workspace, you would have some anti-harassment, anti-abuse policies. And if somebody, you know, violates them, there's got to be some recourse to get rid of that person. So this this actually seems like 
entirely reasonable. I think what's extra bothersome about it is, you know, Blacklock sometimes does some pretty good reporting on inside baseball reporting on what's going on in Parliament, right? And it gets picked up by other media outlets. So, so for their top dog to kind of be there behaving that way and then turn it into a conspiracy theory laden uh, rant. I want to stand up for Blacklock so bad. Like, I love the philosophy of what they do. Like, it's this, like, I.F. Stone idea of, like, let's not look at what government says. Let's look at what they do. You know, let's let's go through. Let's, like, listen to every committee meeting. Let's look at every bit of policy and every document. Let's A-tip the hell out of government. And they get scoops that nobody gets, and they're jerks. I like that. I like that they always have their thumb in legacy media's eye. I like they stand up for themselves. I like that they're like going directly to their readers for money. Like I, I like their stand against government subsidies. I just want to champion them so bad. But there's just this nasty – like I, I don't know how you stand up for journalists who are deceiving readers to the degree that the way they presented this skews what happened. They even still have a presence there. There's, they have two press passes, two, two memberships to the press gallery. So the idea that Blacklocks got evicted, they could still do their jobs. They could send somebody else. Of course they can. And there's a, there's a Rebel News-esque kind of a vibe to the way this went down, right? The exaggeration and the untruth about what happened, the way in which the facts of what happened were not even mentioned initially, and then how quickly it got picked up by some folks on on social media, all of which is very troubling to me. And you're right. I mean, Blacklock has a role to play. I mean, more journalism, more news outlets is good. It hurts the credibility of their whole news agency when you have one of them out there just engaged in easily disprovable conspiracy theory-like nonsense. As you know, Jesse, all we have as journalists is our credibility at the end of the day. And if you and I are producing news stories that are false, that are, you know, can be debunked so easily, that are twisting or ignoring the facts, uh, we're in trouble. You know, our, our readers will not trust us. If we have bosses, they're going to hold us uh, to account. So I don't, I don't actually know how, you know, Blacklock's going to manage this now because this was such a bizarre exaggeration that it calls into question their their overall news judgment, I think. And they're going to have to work pretty hard uh, to get that back, I think, e- even amongst their biggest fans. Because you're right. How, how do you defend this? How do you defend the outlet when this wasn't – this isn't like a disagreement of opinion or, you know, it's not Rashomon where we're looking at the same event from two different lenses. Uh, this is literally just an invention of, of facts. It's fantasy to, to gin people up and, and get them mad and, and I guess – uh, win support from from certain corners of the internet. That shortcuts, Grant. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. I can be emailed with your gun takes, your thoughts about guns, thoughts about guns at jesse at canadaland.com. I read what you send. Grant LaFleche, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at the uh, Hamilton Spectator, and you can reach me at uh, glaflesh at torstar.ca. This episode is produced by Aviva Lassard with additional production by Tristan Capicione. Our production coordinator is Andre Pru. Theme music is by So Called, and syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. You can visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you value this podcast, please support us. Go to canadaland.com slash join. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
couple of special announcements for you. From Thursday, December 8th till Monday, December 12th, we are offering free shipping across this country for anything you buy from the Canada Land Store. Yes, the Canada Land Store. Have you had a look yet? It's at canadalandstore.com. Check it out. We have some fantastic gifts for anybody in your life who might like our podcasts. Want a duly toted tote bag? They're actually really stylish. We have new t-shirts. Every purchase, by the way, supports not just our journalism, but also we're donating a portion of each sale to Journalists for Human Rights in support of its Canadian programs. If you support Canada Land on Supercast or Patreon, you can use your supporter discount code to receive 20% off of anything in the Canada Land store. That's in addition to the free shipping. Head to canadalandstore.com from December 8th to December 12th to take advantage of free expedited shipping Canada-wide. Oh my God, it's been years since we have had a live event. Our first in-person live event in three years is about to happen next Wednesday, December 14th. We'll be in Toronto at the Hot Dog Cinema, such a great venue for the Backbench Live. Join Matea Roach, the Backbench team, and a panel of special guests and me for an evening of political shit-talking, breaking down the year that was 2022. Tickets are 15 bucks, but free for Canada Land supporters. It's going to be a fun night. We cannot wait to see you. To get your tickets, go to hotdocs.ca. Supporters, check your email for info on how to get your free ticket.